I'm so excited to be mailing about with Rita Coolidge. Hi. Hi. You know, you have completed my wish list of 70s pop stars, Graham Nash, David Crosby, now you. This is wonderful. Well, thank you. We're, we're practically triplets. <laughs> You're practically related, right? A little bit, yeah. There's, you know, I'm re I read your book. I loved it. I've been listening over and over to the CD. I feel like I know you through the CD in the book. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. So, well, the book is obvious because I'm telling everything about myself, but the, I really wanted the music to, uh, to express that as well. You said that you wanted to sort of return to your roots in this album, Safe in the Arms of Time. So tell me about that. Well, about the returning to the roots part. Well, I, I think... Probably in the course of writing uh, writing my memoirs, I, because the, it covers kind of from my birth and through my divorce uh, from Chris Christopherson, um, I think that during that period of time when I was, you know, for the music that I was making back then, especially earlier on, probably even before I met Chris, was there was just something in that music that was kind of raw and organic and and honest and not overproduced and it's just something that I as I was writing the book and going back and revisiting some of those earlier records I think that it kind of just came to my attention that you know when did it change you know and what what changed it and how do I get back there mm -hmm. and it just became just almost like something inside me was just saying you got to do this you got to do it and um, it didn't become an, an obsession, but it was something that would not leave me alone. And so I, I think when Graham sent me Doing Fine Without You about three years ago, which is before the book came out, and I got that and, and it just resonated with everything that I was thinking because I just heard that song, just funky and, you know, the guitar and just the way, it, just exactly the way it turned out. And I think that it really kind of just confirmed for me that I was on the right path because it had come from a good friend. And my God, Graham could have given that song. He could have pitched that song to anybody or played it for Bonnie Raitt would have cut it. Uh, probably Adele would have cut it. <laughs> but, they, but they didn't have love affairs with Graham like you did. Well, I don't think that had anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm not sure the backstory behind that. Well, I kind of am, but I can't share it. <laughs> <laughs> that one's not common knowledge, Rita. Well, not that one. That's uh, the the other stories. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just, that's kind of teasy, isn't it? <laughs> sorry. Because I think it was David Crosby who called you like the Yoko Ono of CSN. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for remembering that. <laughs> My God, we were just talking about Yoko Ono, and David really—I think David felt that way uh, from the time um, Graham and I started dating. I think that he felt um, because Stephen was so angry, you know, because he because he had he had his 
in his mind, we were supposed, I was supposed to be with Stephen. And, you know, and he kind of always had got what he wanted. And for the first time, he didn't. And I think he wanted you, Rita. Well, he did. No, Steve, Stephen definitely did want, he did want me. And No, I mean Crosby. Oh, well, oh my God. I never, I never thought of that. Lord. I made a pot of beans and rice one night, and all of the, all the guys were over, and they, David ate the beans. He had been up, first of all, he'd been up for like two or three days, but he came over and had beans and rice and immediately fell asleep and woke up uh, several hours later, just, you know, felt like he had been drugged. Well, because he hadn't slept for days, but he woke up and came in and accused me of, of putting quaaludes in the beans. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And why are you the only person affected? <laughs> that reminds me of the time I gave him a chocolate chip cookie, and I didn't know he had diabetes at the time and ate it. I could have killed the man. <laughs> well, he knew he did, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly the same kind of story. <laughs> anyway, yeah, David, he did blame me and for a very long time he wouldn't have very anything to do with me and I saw him in New York a few years ago and he you know we had a lovely sat down had a lovely visit together and and um I mean I've seen him over the years and he's kind of gradually warmed up to me now we're old and it's okay <laughs> you gotta forgive sometime right you can but I'm sure I'm gonna say things while I'm in New York because all of this is coming back up again and I'm sure he's going to read something, and he'll, and he'll be uh, angry with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, you got to say what you got to say, right? Life's too short. It is, and I'm, yeah, I pretty much do. I would love to hear about your Cherokee roots and how they sort of inform you now. Well, you know, I, my father was Cherokee, my mother was Cherokee and Scott, and they were married 74 years and they were madly in love with each other they never argued they were just the the most passionate people about each other that I ever knew in my life and you know I think from that I I don't think that that really related to anything of Cherokee I think that, that that's just something that they shared their Cherokee lineage but as we were growing up you know my dad was a <clears throat> was a Baptist preacher and you know, and he would talk about Native American spirituality and how everything has a life and the, and the trees and the and the rocks and the flowers and how everything is in harmony, nature is in harmony and how we have to take care of it and and which is really the you know Native American spirituality and 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 that really is the kind of Christian that Daddy was. I, he would shudder to see what's going on right now with fundamentalism in this country and how accepting the fundamentalist and just kind of a lot of Christian people are of the behavior of of the man in the White House who has behaved, he lies, he cheats, he's, um, he's unfaithful to his wife, he's disrespectful of women, he's disrespectful of people of color. He, he's, it's everything that... It's he is he's like the Antichrist, you know. It's unbelievable, and the fact that all of these people are behind him, 
is astounding to me. I'll watch the news and read the papers. Seems like this whole world's gone bad. Listen to the lies and gossip. Just enough to drive me mad. Little things can change the world. A smile can go a long, long way. We just got to seize this moment. Change today. There ain't no difference in each other. scary. How does your daughter feel about the world that she's inheriting? I think that she she's old enough now that um, I mean she has the same opinions that I do surprise and that her dad does you know because we've always been liberals and we always have um, respected other people no matter what their beliefs are or what their skin color is or you know where the, what their station in life is and and Casey grew up that way, and she's probably even more accepting and tolerant uh, than anybody I know. I think she worries, as I do, for the for the little kids. Mm -hmm. She has a ten-year-old and thirteen-year-old, and and uh, a daughter. Her oldest daughter just graduated from the University of North Carolina, and um, she's becoming very, you know, she has her very strong opinions ab about what's going on. Is she musical at all, or she took a different path? My daughter, Casey, is she's a ballet teacher, so she's a dancer, but she's also in a bluegrass band called Little. I'm sorry, called Yellow Feather, and uh, they pretty much have been playing locally around Asheville and the area where she lives. But they're about to take off and go on tour with some other people. I didn't get the clarity of that at the graduation. I just know that she's like, Mom, how do you pack? What do you do? I'm like, really? All these years you've watched me go through this and you don't, you didn't get it. She would want to come on tour with you, I bet, all those years. Well, no, she actually didn't. She, when she was little, she wanted, she just wanted to be home the same way I do. Now it's like come full circle. It has. It, it has. I don't know about you, but I'm really happy in my pajamas, hanging out, and if I don't have to leave the house, I'm so content. I can't wait to go home. When I, by the time I get home, the end of May, I will have been gone a month, and it's just too much. The packing and doing laundry in my room and, you know, <laughs> it's a lot. It's not glamorous. It's not, you know. And you have someone new in your in your love life now that I'm sure you want to go home to and spend time with. I do. I do. Uh, when my book was released two and a half years ago, or whenever April, I guess it's been two years, I was in Tallahassee for uh, a talk and book signing at a book fair there, and my college sweetheart, this guy that I that I literally met the day I got to Florida State, because I graduated from Florida State. And the day that I got there, I met Joe Hutto. And we were, we played music together. He went, he left for a year and went into the Coast Guard to not have to be drafted, to not, not that he wasn't, I mean, he ended up in like special ops. 
but uh, he was gone for a period of time, and so I graduated from Florida State before he did, and and I went to Memphis because my parents were living there, and I was interested in the music business, and we commuted for a while, and and then I ended up going to California, and he, you know, went to Mexico and studied archaeology, among other things, and wildlife biologist, and filmmaker and author and he's accomplished and all these great things and we just had different trajectories and and it we came back together again uh two years ago and he came to your book signing is that how not voluntarily he was actually kidnapped by some friends who knew that that they always knew but that joe and i were connected we just uh i've just always thought about him and loved him and looked for him and you know, it's like looking for him in an audience when I would be in an area where I thought he might be. You know, is Joe here? Has anybody seen Joe? And and uh, so when after the after my talk was over, these friends who had kidnapped him now, the guy played football for Florida State when we were there, and he kind of just had his arms around Joe and was per- just pushing him forward. And Joe's going, take your hands off me. And, and she's going, Joe's here. <laughs> And it was amazing. We just walked into each other's arms, and it was like nothing, not a day had passed. And it's been just the best time of my life. Every day with him is the best day of my life. I love that, Rita, because it's almost like you have all this young history together. And like reconnecting, it's like you don't even have to explain it. It's it's amazing. We, yeah, there's no learning curve at all here because, you know, he's... He's always been the loveliest man, and he's accomplished so much, you know, as I have. But we didn't get to do it together. But we're, you know, we look back and go, oh, my God, there was this time that we were in the same place, you know, or this time when when I almost came to your concert, but I was afraid that you would just be surrounded by people and go, oh, my God, I don't have time for him. And it's like, really? <laughs> your autumn love he is my autumn love that's fabulous you can use that (laughs) can i (laughs) as long as you give me a tiny little credit (laughs) i will not rip you off i am so acutely aware of of what that feels like that's not gonna happen (laughs) oh wait are we talking about the layla thing by any chance (laughs) that's one of them just one of them yeah how did that? How did they get away with not giving you credit on that song? Well, you know, at the time when when they Jim Gordon and I had written the song "Time," and then when we played it for Eric and he liked it, and then of course Jim Gordon became the drummer with Derek and the Dominoes, and you know, I don't I don't know how how they managed to have have taken the music because it was my music, how they could have taken the music and and felt like it was okay, except that, um, you know, I guess they were just both on drugs and just figured, I don't think that women were valued at all. You just took the words out of my mouth. Absolutely, yeah. And it it was okay, and pretty much Robert Stigwood, who was Eric's manager, said that. 
when I called and said, you know, I'm the I wrote this music and I'm not on the record. So, and you guys made a mistake. And he said, yeah, what are you going to do? You're just a girl. And and at that time there was real. I didn't have the money to fight Robert Stigwood. And honestly, I was terrified of Jim Gordon. I didn't want to go near him because he was not only mentally ill. I didn't know it, but I knew that that he was dangerous because he had uh, cold cocked me on the Cocker tour and, and knocked me out in the hallway for no reason. No, and you couldn't sue him then for cold cocking you. Well, no, no, that that didn't happen at that time. You know, there was a restraining order, and everybody protected me on the tour. And after the tour was over, I just had eyes in the back of my head all the time that because <clears throat> I I was afraid of him, and I certainly wasn't going to go. <laughs> hey, Jim, you stole my song because he, you know. He um, later married, uh, I think her name was Renee Armand, a singer, and I think that she, I think that he abused her uh, on a regular basis, but I don't know why, um, obviously he was hearing voices, but I, I don't understand, I don't understand women that stay with men who are abusive. I don't understand this um, attorney general or in in New York that, you know, has apparently all this stuff that's going on in the news right now, and these women that, was one was his girlfriend for two years. How does that happen? If somebody choked me and hit me until my ears bled, I don't believe I'd be going back, right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. So you must be really into this Me Too movement. I am. I, I talk about it a lot because, and I have, but I have for my whole life since it happened to me. Nobody ever hit me when I was a child. My parents never hit their children. They didn't believe in hitting anybody. And for that to have happened to me when I was 22 years old, you know, it was just life-altering. And to, I mean, to have, for that to have happened one time in my life is one time too many. And it just is unacceptable. And I don't know why why men think that it's okay, and I don't know why women don't stand up for themselves. They're afraid. Well, they're, that's changing. Yeah. They are afraid, as I was afraid to go to Jim Gordon and say, hey, buddy, you stole my song, because I was afraid of, of what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you already knew what he was capable of. So. Absolutely, I did. I did, yeah. So getting back to the CD, um, what's it? What's in your life now that made it into into this CD that that inspires you? Well, I, <laughs> obviously, Naked All Night is a classic example. She wants to be naked all night. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's the way it was then, and it's the way it is the way it is now. It's because um, we're still kids. You know, it's a boy and a girl. The song starts just a boy and a girl a lifetime ago, and that's that's me and Joe.
the second song, the one that Joe wrote with me and Stan Lynch, which is You Can Fall in Love, is something that I wanted to, something I really wanted to, to share on this record, you know, on in a lot of the songs, and I wanted that kind of a deeply spiritual love feeling uh, that I feel for Joe to, to to come out and be a parent on this record, and I wanted this song to actually spell it out, you know, so many people uh, in this world just settle for less. They settle for a body next to them, even though they're going to be gone the next morning, just to be with somebody. And you don't have to. You know, it doesn't matter what what age you are. It doesn't matter what your body looks like. It doesn't matter. A, a, nothing really matters. What what really matters is love. It's the only thing. You know, that's what resonates. And in, in um, walking on water that I wrote with Kebmo and. You know, it's that love is everywhere, and it's all around, and and all you have to do is open your heart. It will find you. It will find you. I truly believe that. It's taken my whole life, but it happened. When you look back at, at the the romances that you've had and the loves of your life, and you talked about earlier that, you know, you, you couldn't, you would never return to a man who was abusive to you. Do you forgive men that were this way towards you is is there forgiveness absolutely because um not only is it one of the one really really important virtue because if you can't find forgiveness it they're not they're not hurt by it it only hurts it would only hurt me if i couldn't find forgiveness for anybody that's ever been unkind or dismissed me on any level or lied to me if you can't forgive people, you don't have to stick around. I mean, you can definitely, and you need to move away from people that hurt you and 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 don't want the best for you, um, and lie to you and cheat and and all of those things. You know, don't don't stick around for more, but just find forgiveness because it doesn't hurt them. It, they're going to continue their behavior. It only hurts you. Because um, I'm, I'm leading towards um, a passage in your book which really got me when you were washing the dishes and it dawned on you, like, what am I doing with this man? And it just dawned on you, like, what am I doing with Chris? Yeah, it was um, a situation where um, our relationship had had reached a place where he was not happy. Um, apparently, uh, you know whatever we had had, and we were still friends. We still, when times were good, I never laughed with anybody in my life like I did with Chris, and that still happens when we're together. We just laugh till we cry. And, you know, five minutes later, he doesn't know why, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but that dynamic is still there. But, you know, I I was staying with him. Uh, because we had a child together, and I thought that a child should have two parents that live together, and and re then big mistake, big mistake. It is a big mistake, yeah. and then realizing, you know, I didn't realize I think until I left and didn't cry every day that I had been crying every day for a year, and until you wake up one day when you've moved away from whatever it makes you unhappy or is creating that sadness or imbalance in your life, and and you start to come back and to be a whole person again, and and it was astounding when I when I realized, oh my God, I'm not crying. I didn't even know that I had been crying. 
So yeah, that's not a good. That's not good for a child. It's not good for two adults. And you know, um, of course, after I was gone, after I'd left, and I'd told, I'd told Chris so many times in tears. You know, this is not a revolving door. When I when I'm gone, I'm gone. So if you're gonna do anything, do it now. Go to marriage counseling. Go to a therapist with me. Do anything. And he would say, yeah, well, you're the crazy one. You go. Which I did. I went by myself. I did it all. And, of course, after I moved out and he was willing to do anything, but it was too late. It's, you know, I just don't do that. Yeah, it definitely takes two. Yeah. takes two to fix it. And, yeah. So you're good friends now. We have been, yes. I mean, the second he got married again, we were best friends. <laughs> and now you have a love of your life, so it's all good. Well, he, yeah, he's, he's, uh, and she's, you know, Lisa, his, Chris's wife is, I, I consider her right now in the, under the circumstances to be the, the most tolerant, patient, saintly woman on the planet. I don't know if I could do what she does. She's re- truly a, a blessing for him. He should be so grateful. I love that. I want to quote you on what you wrote. Um, you said, life needs art to express emotions we find too painful to express ourselves. That's pretty big. I think that um, that's uh, on, the, on the album I recorded is a song written by a Nashville writer, Tom Jackson, called The Things We Carry. And... and since my sister was killed in, in 2014, I have desperately tried to write the, the way I feel, the music that I've, or the words, the lyrics, you know, to write the piece of music that expresses uh, the, my sense of loss for her. And I just have been unable to do it because it's just too painful. And when I came across this song... Um, Stan Lynch, who was, wrote, co-wrote You Can Fall in Love with Me and Joe, uh, lives in Florida, and, and um, he kind of steered us to these Nashville songwriters whom he said, these guys, they don't write songs about cowboy hats and, and you know, going back and, and whatever, cars and all those country, hardcore country songs. He said, they write real solid music. And this song, The Things We Carry, when the first time I heard it, I went, that's, that's it. That's Priscilla's song. So really that spoke to you about what you wanted to say. Yes. Yeah. How, how so? Well, just the lyrics, the things we carry and hold on to. I carry her in my heart, in my life, all the time as I do my parents. Because Priscilla and I were siblings and we were so close, and uh, when her, you know, horrible, wretched husband killed her, um, I can't, can't even tell you uh, what it felt like to have her, you know, to have her leave this life like that, you know, just w- in violence. And that's why I could never write anything. And it, it really got to the point that I... When I moved to Florida, I didn't even bring my baby grand piano. It was like, if I can't write a song about Priscilla, I don't deserve that piano. And besides, it's, you know, it's a piano. The music is in here. It's not in that instrument right there. 
but when I, when I heard the things we carry, it just they spoke to me, and it was so very hard to sing that song and get the vocals done. I can't do it live yet. I don't know if I ever can, yeah. but but it's uh, it's on that record. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful story. Do you feel like your parents and Priscilla are always with you, always around you? I do. I, I just feel my family is. I don't. Maybe I feel Priscilla more because because we were da uh, daily in contact with each other, and we wrote so much music together, and we were such close childhood friends, and and uh, you know our lives paralleled. We just we did everything together, and we lived in the same towns together. If I moved somewhere, she would move, or if she moved. You know, I moved to Malibu. She and Booker moved to Malibu. It was, you know, it was just, we just were always not far away from each other. inspired so many artists that have written songs about you do you feel the same way about other artists that have inspired you to write songs about them <laughs> well let me see which artist would that be <laughs> I don't think I've written anything for anybody as as beautiful as the uh, song for you that Leon Russell wrote I mean, to me, that's just one of the most beautiful songs ever, ever written. We're alone, and I'm singing this song for you. I love you in a place where there's no space or time. Uh, I love you for my life. You are a friend of mine. When this life is over, it's just a, it's just the, the forever love song. And I know when he wrote it, he meant it. But then, of course, after um, when he realized he wasn't going to get me back. He never. He was never nice to me, except for one time for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I don't know why. I did, You know. I, I don't know. Men are funny that way, Rita. You know. I don't like rejection. I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help but notice that, and it brings out the very worst, in especially in guys, because you know they're basically twelve-year-olds. I concur. <laughs> I concur. Okay, so you're going to go home and you're going to write a song called Autumn Love, and then you're going to send it to me and we're going to play it on this show. How does that sound? <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was wonderful to meet you and speak with you. Well, I can't wait for, for our song. It was great to see, talking to you, Robin. What are we going to do now? Oh, we're going to... Let's go, let's go for a cocktail. That sounds <laughs> fabulous.
refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.